Welcome into the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. That's the fall weather music. It is. Episode 216. 216. Making it and rolling. Feels like we've done 416. Yeah. It feels like you and I were born doing this show. It feels like we've been doing it a long time. You know what I think it was is that in the pandemic era Mm -hmm. of life, like we'll look back and talk about the pandemic era, Mm -hmm. won't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll look back and say, you remember the era of the pandemic? You and I did a daily show. Yeah, every day. So we were in here every morning, and then we would do the Paul George show. So it feels like, you know, like a ton's more. It feels like a lifetime ago. I mean, it was just 2020, but that feels like a long time ago. I am so glad it's over. Yeah, that wasn't... uh, Fun. That wasn't the best Yeah, for everybody. No, it wasn't. So anyway, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Thanks for listening in on the podcast. Um, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are, or on the radio, KLFT. Super glad you're a part of the show. Uh, if you didn't get to hear the show last week, it was an awesome show. Go back and listen to it on the podcast. So, dude, you just got back from New York City. You did a trip with your son. Yeah, just me and him, my well, 11-year-old son, John. You, yeah, what was the highlight? You know, it was it was all really good. I, th- I always thank God for smooth trips because, as you know, traveling can get complicated Mm -hmm. unexpected things can happen yep whatever you and i actually spent the night on the floor of an airport one time because of that we slept together (laughs) that's true on the floor of an airport and here's the crazy thing about that is that you and i were not on a trip together we had no idea that would happen we walked in the airport and you were there (laughs) we saw each other and we had no idea. So we were just hanging out. We ended up being on the first flight together. Mm-hmm. And then that flight got delayed. Then we finally connected late. Those flights got canceled. Yeah. We ended up going, we were going to the same destination too, San Diego. Which was wild. So we ended up sleeping on the airport floor all night. In Dallas. In yeah. Dallas. Yeah. So anyway, it can get hectic. So I always thank God for a completely smooth trip. And I tell you, every single moment of the four-day trip to New York City was exactly as it should have been. So praise God for that. But I mean, there were some just some beautiful moments. I you know, I have nine kids, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so um making memories with one, mm-hmm. I've just learned the importance of that. And so there's little moments of that every day or every week. Like if I'm going to the grocery store, I take one kid with me yep. just to do something like that, right? Right. But to have a moment where there's you know, an extended time of just making memories with that one mm-hmm. kid. Um, so it was, it was awesome cause it always takes on the personality of that kid. Sure. Right. So like when I brought Thomas, um, it was pretty like, go, go, go is awesome. Cause that's how he is. Mm-hmm. And I brought Mary. It was like more chilled out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, John is just a, a reflective guy. He has like a lot of interior life going on. And so we, uh, we did a lot of things, but we just, it was more leisurely. I think like we just took our time. He was content. Like he takes forever to eat, for example. I don't know right. if anybody like that, but like mm-hmm. it takes an hour to eat one slice of pizza, which is awesome. That means we sit at the pizzeria for an hour. And just enjoy the time. Yeah, and just watch the people go by and enjoy the p- So is that kind of pace? Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. I love that. That's good. Okay, so New York, I mean, it's, it, you know, for us, historically is an old city in the yeah. U.S. I mean, compared to the rest of the world, no. Like, you go to Europe, you're looking at, you know, 2,000-year-old buildings. Yeah, the whatever. old York. Yeah. Much older. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> 
um, but your younger kids, y'all homeschool. So it's in yeah. a sense also like a school trip. Oh, it was a field trip. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> coolest um, Catholic thing you saw, you guys saw. You know, I've been there three times now, but um, the Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini is up there in New York. Right. And for some reason, this this visit, it just it hit me. It hit me. Um, this desire to become a saint like her was just very strong. Hmm. And um, I got a I got a book about her. It's it's not her book. She didn't really write books. That wasn't her thing. She wasn't like Paul George writing great books like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, Good one. Good but one. Uh, but this book about her spirituality. Um, and I kind of looked at the table of contents. I was like, this is really fascinating. So I got that book. I can't wait to read it. But man, she was a young woman. She came over to the country and she just got to work. You know, and I, I'm at that point in my life where I'm just ready to. Uh, to stop making excuses and mm-hmm. just get to work about the thing God wants me to be doing. Yeah. And she lived her life that way. So mm-hmm. I guess that's why it just connected with me. Um, and she was in education. She yep. was in hospitals, orphanages, all, you know, young kid things. So anyway, that was the, the highlight. That's interesting because this week in the St. Library of the week uh, is we celebrate some missionaries mm-hmm. uh, of saints. So that's kind of cool. Like, you know, St. Francis Xavier was... Yeah, she was Italian, and she wanted to go on mission to the east. She, she was a missionary. She yeah. came here, and I don't think people often realize, you know, because, you know, America's so developed now, or whatever, but this was mission territory. Like, mm-hmm. missionaries came. Like, we celebrate Blessed Silos, mm-hmm. who is, you know, on his way, but uh, he died in New Orleans, actually. He came from Germany as a German missionary to the States to be a missionary here. Yeah. You know, kind of crazy to think about. That once this was mission territory and and now, you know, it still is. Everything's mission. And so, like, they just got to work. You're talking about right. like, just getting to work. You know, if you didn't listen to the show last week, we talked a lot about grit. Like, you know, men just getting getting with it. Like, just being about God, being about, you know, grit, the hard things. And so, um, so yeah, go back and listen to the show. You can also go to holygrit.org. have these grit groups coming up. Which I'm excited about. Yeah, apparently there's still room a little bit. Yeah. So we need to get in those groups. Yeah. Yeah, it's eight-week men's groups you can sign up for. I'm going to do the Monday evening one. I can't wait, dude. So it's going to be exciting. So, all right. So thanks, everyone, for listening in. As always, every now and then, we have a Have You Seen? That was the wrong music, but it'll work. It's perfect, actually. Um. Because so, there's no telling where you're going with this. That's right. So this is uh, just a really weird thing. But have you seen that a New York man was arrested uh, last week? So we're back in New York. Back in New York. I wasn't there. The weirdest Wait, thing you right, saw in New there. York. The weirdest thing you saw. Because like you walk the streets in New York, you do see weird things. Honestly, this was a a trip. I've seen weirder things in New York. This this trip didn't have that many, but the weirdest thing was the amount of strangely dressed men, let's put it that way, mm. that were like pretending to be other genders and things like that. Just, that was different. Just totally great. And being yeah. from St. Martinville, small Cajun yeah. town, you don't see that often. <laughs> yeah, and John was a little uh, surprised. Yeah. Like, wait, what What was that? Yeah, it's conf- confusing. But anyway, um, but I didn't see this guy who... Was crossing the uh, Canadian border back okay. into New York. All right, trying to smuggle three massive pythons mm. in his pants. Nice. And apparently, three. Yeah, not one. 
Yeah, I would think one would be difficult, but this guy's like three. Obviously, he's done this before. Really? I would. I would think. I don't think you, you start think with he's three. A, a, a pro. <laughs> well, I mean, think you about know, it, Paul. Snake. You know. <laughs> you don't start with three, right? What, what, what do you even call this guy? A snake smuggler, I guess. Smuggler. But um. Anyway, so he clearly has three snakes in his pants. And they, this is amazing. They arrest him because this pa- is why he would get caught. I mean, yeah, it's pythons obvious. aren't little. No, they're not. They're not like little garden snakes. And uh, anyway, they gets, could wrap around your legs and cut your circulation off. This guy's nuts. Yeah, he is. Well, apparently, you can get twenty years in prison for for this act of smuggling. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I wouldn't suggest this for anyone, but it, you could get twenty years in prison for you know smuggling a snake, whatever, and maybe like you could smuggle drugs across the border and maybe mm-hmm. get you know nothing or five years or probation or something like That's that. That's a great point. It reminds me of like, you know, the old abortion abortion problem that. You kill a bald eagle's egg, and I forget what it is. What happens to you legally? You're, yeah, you're, you're, you're know, in jail. Big deal. Yeah, but uh, you can kill a human being, and not throughout the country anymore, though. Praise God, but in a lot of states around the country. Yeah. And uh, in fact, they'll pay for you to do it, mm. which is wild. Yeah, it is wild. Speaking of smuggling, you know, it's interesting. Wait, wait. Speaking of smuggling. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. So I have I have a friend who smuggles in himself into China and uh, you know, undercover incognito to bring, bring the gospel. Wow. He's a personal friend. I I see him maybe once every few years, can't say his name, but he's, he is a priest with a religious order, but it's just fascinating to me. The amount of risk that someone goes to smuggle something. Okay. So you could Mm -hmm. say like smuggling drugs or, Snakes, snakes or whatever like <laughs> it's a high stakes game yeah and getting caught like you have to understand like there it is so nervous like it, did you ever cheat in school I, I cheated once i like i was nervous to death like i was just like have you ever stole something i stole a candy bar from a convenience store when i was a kid i'm going to confession on the show by the way <laughs> um it, it like there's th- there's an adrenaline that's pumped but in the back of your mind you like you know you're doing so you like and then you're like if i get caught and then you're mm-hmm. thinking you know, like you, it's just like, like to smuggle or to steal or whatever. Like it's just it's high stakes. Yeah. Right. I cheated in a poker game, <clears throat> a few times. That it, was nerve wracking. Yeah. I mean, you just like cheating. Like it's just like it's better just not because it's yeah. just like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's nerve wracking. Yeah. High stakes. High stakes. But you're right. I mean, we we're willing to do so many things. In that high stakes game, but when it comes to like the faith, right? How many high stakes bets are we making? Totally, like that's and that's the point I'm getting to. Like this guy's, you know, willing to risk his life forever. Like, like there, mm-hmm. there's a stake. Like he knows that either a, like he could get arrested and be in prison in a foreign land forever, mm-hmm. or or die. Yeah, you, like like see the high stakes. Like, and you were talking about the beginning of the show, just kind of like, like just being busy about your work, like just getting to it, you know, that's what the saints did. Like they just, they had, they had a mission and they went to it. And, and this is who we're called to be through our baptism. Mm-hmm. Our mission is, is to get to the mission that God calls us to. That, that's the work of our vocation. And that's the, the work of, of our daily jobs and, and our mission. But God puts certain things on our heart to do. Right. Yeah. And there's risk involved. Yeah. You know, there's just risk involved, whether you go to China or whether you share the gospel with someone in the grocery store or 
you love your husband or your wife really well, uh, and that that takes risk. Uh, you pursue your kids, you take them on dates on trips. Like the, nothing good comes without taking risk and doing hard things. Man, I I have to crown you king of the segue. I mean, you just took a guy s- smuggling snakes, snakes, pythons, and then like brought the us to an amazing place, which is awesome. But it's true, like smuggling Jesus. I didn't know we'd be talking about that today. You had it's no so idea. true. Like, yeah. how many saints have smuggled Jesus in so many circumstances? Like in your book, um, you talk about Maximilian Colby, correct? Right, coming up, yep. book coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he literally smuggled Jesus, uh, and and people risked their lives. Blessed Miguel Pro, um, smuggling Jesus literally to to bring confession in the Eucharist to people, mm. and you know. I don't know. Can you live a Catholic life without smuggling Jesus in some way? I don't think so. There's some. There's got to be some risk situation where I'm willing to bring Jesus where he's not, and it could cost me everything. I mean, Jesus said it from the beginning, will you follow me? Mm-hmm. You know, like, will you, will you, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and the disciples may have not known the full risk of what they were getting involved in, but there was risk from the beginning. The mm-hmm. risk of leaving their jobs, risk of leaving their families, Risk of leaving what they know, what knew, and what was comfortable. Right? There's risk in our faith, and that's like that's is the fun and the high stakes game. That is the adrenaline of being on mission. Think about where our world would be if disciples didn't risk for God. Like the the gospel wouldn't have spread anywhere. It would have yeah. stayed locally. It'd yeah. be a nice little church in Jerusalem. Yeah, I mean the risks that Saint Paul took upon himself alone. Changes the whole world. Um, everything. Everything. So, I mean, what world needs to be changed 100 years from now because of the risks we take today? Mm-hmm. I think the American church needs to hear that because, and I say that we, we need to hear that because we're at a crossroads in America in general, but I think the West in general where, you know, this like post-Christian mentality that we all have. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier that America was a mission field and that was that was the thing. I mean, Blessed Silos, uh, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, so many saints or blessed look to St. Isaac Jogues, look to the new world, America, as, oh, they need the gospel. So let's leave everything. Let's go give it all to Jesus to bring the gospel to America. That same dynamic, Europe and America now sees itself as post-Christian and over that, right? Like that's not important anymore Mm -hmm. to most of Europe, most of America, let's say, but it's still important to a lot of us, right? And so a hundred years from now, um, will be defined by those Christians who are willing to take risks right now to still bring the gospel to America, still bring the gospel to Europe, and risk their lives doing it. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm reminded, I heard from a colleague who went to Rome recently and visited a church. You you probably know this. I, I've never been to Europe, never been to Rome. But there's this church there for modern-day martyrs. It's like a, a church that has these side altars of each continent. Have you heard about this? I can't remember the name of the church. It's not St. John Lateran? No, it's uh, it's it's a church just for this purpose. Okay. But it has these side altars of like places in the world, continents, yeah. and the martyrs from those continents, and they keep bringing new martyrs and relics like as people get martyred. Mm. And she went uh, in 2019, and she just went this year, and she was moved because there was new people. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, and uh, you know that there is... There is risk to the gospel today, and in in the world today, people are risking it all to, to bring Jesus to the world. Yeah. Um, so, what does that mean for me? You know, exactly. I mean, we're all called to that in some way, shape, or form. This is why, you know, I've been talking a 
little bit more about the word grit, like just mm-hmm. to have that spiritual grit in our life, like to do hard things. And But where do you need to smuggle Jesus at, you think? <clears throat> Me personally? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm taking risks right now with these men's groups. Like, yeah, you are? It, like, anytime, like anything good that happens in our life, any mm-hmm. breakthrough takes risk. And, and look, that could be emotional risk, right, of like mm-hmm. pushing through some emotional barriers that we have in relationships or like our own wounds emotionally, things that we – like there's fear factors there that well, keep what, us – What's the what's, – what are you afraid of in those situations? Failure? Like that it doesn't work out? We're afraid of living differently. We're afraid mm-hmm. of facing things that have hurt us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, then there's risk spiritually to take risks, letting – surrendering, letting God take – control over our life mm-hmm. right there's risk physically like so anytime we want to like have a breakthrough it takes risk it takes stepping forward like the disciples hey uh, get out of the boat and follow me leave mm-hmm. your nets behind you even though guess what the nets were full of fish yeah so like think about that imagery hey i'm going to fill your nets with fish and i'm going to ask you to actually leave that behind for something greater mm. mm-hmm so uh, you're leaving the good for the great. And that's where risk is involved because that, that's when we have breakthroughs in our lives, emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally. It takes risk. There's a lot of vulnerability there. I find myself right now in vulnerability as I'm putting more stuff out there, right? Mm-hmm. To like call myself and other people forward. You feel the same way, risking in your leadership role at the school and mm-hmm. different ways that God's inviting you to, you know, to like step out. Like if you were to chosen to be comfortable, you would still be at your job four jobs ago. Right. <laughs> That's true. Um, well, I think you're, I think you're onto something here, Paul. It could be your third book, but this nature of risk, because I mean, the things you just listed, I think are right on is we risk being hurt. So we, we fear being hurt. We fear not being in control, and um, and we fear losing things, mm. the things we have. And Jesus was upfront about all three. You know, like you're gonna you're gonna go to the cross, take up that cross. It's gonna hurt. Um, the spirit blows where it wills, and he even says how little he's in control. I don't even do I don't do what I want. I do what the Father tells me. So if it's a control game, you got to throw that away. Mm. And then you will have to give up everything, the full nets, the wife, the husband, the children, the lands, but you're going to get so much more. God first. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's very clear about the risks mm-hmm. our Lord is. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based Health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for being a part of the show this week. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. Adam just got back from New York City. I'm off to Tulsa, Oklahoma this are week. you? It doesn't sound as exciting. No, no. I'm excited because there's a lot of great things happening in Tulsa. What you, are you doing in Tulsa? Yeah, the Diocese of Tulsa has a lot going on. Is it the men's conference? 
No, I have done that one before. Yeah. The Tulsa Men's Conference. Um, I am there speaking at a Legatus chapter. Legatus is a organization for Catholic business folks. That's awesome. No, mm-hmm. Tulsa is doing awesome things. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they kind of embody what they're doing. Kind of embodies everything we we're just talking about. So, um, well, I know the communications director Adam Minahan, who's for the diocese, yeah. who's also the co-host of the Catholic Man Show. That's right. That you've been on, and mm-hmm. we've had them on. Great guys, but uh, man, they're in they're in mission territory. He was telling me how like they're four percent Catholic. Of course, we're like sixty percent Catholic over here, right? But the stuff they're doing is so dynamic and creative to reach the ninety six percent, you know, of people mm. around them. Mm. It makes me kind of jealous because we're in such a Catholic area. It's like it's they, so hard to get people to think missionary like that. Yeah, they have a great bishop there as well. So I'm be there for a short time. I'm actually going back there again in February for another conference. But anyway. That's awesome. What's going on? Well, dude, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Go bring bring Smuggle Jesus to Tulsa. Smuggling. <laughs> I never thought we would talk on the show about smuggling Jesus, you know? It's true. You're bringing Jesus through the airport. Yeah. You know, you're going to pass him through security. Smuggle. Smuggling Jesus. Smuggling. It's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just smuggling along, you know. <laughs> This week we celebrate St. Dennis and Companions. They were smugglers of Jesus. Yeah. You know, Blessed Francis Xavier Silos was a smuggler, you know? Yeah. I mean, all the saints were smugglers in some way, shape, or form. Like, they were Mm -hmm. missionaries, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, speaking of smugglers, (laughs) do you have a weird Catholic stuff? What? Yes. Kidding me? Nope. How can that be? You know, you'd have so many more Catholics if you weren't so weird. All this weird Catholic stuff. No, right? Weird Catholic stuff. Maybe we can change the segment sometimes to cool Catholic stuff. Okay. Because although there's weird stuff, it's also kind of cool. That's true. Well, today is one of those examples. Well, first of all, I have to honorable mention today because you mentioned Saint Dennis. Yeah. But we've done this before on the show, so I didn't want to repeat. Right. But he's the one that got his head chopped off, then picked up his head, and then preached the gospel walking down the street for like a good mile or so, Mm. and then collapsed. Yeah. That's weird. That's what I'm talking about, the adrenaline. (laughs) He was fired up. I'm talking about the adrenaline (laughs) of following Christ. That's exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) But we've we've done that already. But honorable mention to St. Dennis. That's weird. Yeah. And... uh, but uh, no, this is, I guess, cool Catholic stuff. Kind of weird. But everybody's heard of uh, Buffalo Bill Cody, right? Yeah, Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, Wild Bill Cody. Wild Bill. He was uh, born in Iowa in 1846, and he joined the Pony Express at age 14, mm. and he just became national legend. Yeah, he was a legend of his own kind. Yeah, he uh, he was quite a hunter. Okay. He, he killed 4,200 buffalo. In just a year and a half. Wow, that's a lot. That's how he got the term Buffalo Bill. Okay, know? there you go. There's the connection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here's the here's the connection to the faith. But when he was, let's see, didn't say how old he was. Not that old. He was dying. Okay. And he was visiting his sister in Denver, which is where he died. Okay. And the day before he died, he converted to the Catholic faith. Really? The day before? A lot of people don't know this, that he died a Catholic. 
But he told a priest, when he knew he was dying, he told a priest that he had always believed in God but wanted to die a Catholic. And so he apparently just became convinced of the truth of the Catholic faith in some way. But he was inspired by the faith of Sitting Bull. I'd heard about this, but uh, Sitting Bull, a Native American that became Catholic. Really? Yep. Um, And his family. So he he had met Sitting Bull and was inspired by that. And so he decided one day he wants to be Catholic, never got around to it, ends up, he's going to be dying. So he's like, no, I need to die a Catholic. Now we're talking about missionaries and smugglers of the faith. The only way that Sitting Bull ever became Catholic is because someone shared the gospel with him. Exactly. And the seeds of the faith is the blood of martyrs, right? So St. Isaac Jogues, who gave his life, and companions who gave his life to convert Native Americans um, for the, you know, in the faith, much later we get Sitting Bull, hmm. and then we get Wild Bill. And uh, anyway, so he he was baptized, entered the faith before he died. Wow! So he'll be in the Catholic section when we get to heaven. Really? Um, well, there's only one section in heaven. But point being, he Maybe became a, a Catholic name tag. before death. Yeah, he's a card carrying member <laughs> upon entry. <laughs> Some people become card carrying members after entry, but pre-entry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's kind of like tickets to get into an amusement park. Sometimes you can get them ahead of time online. Yeah. Sometimes you can get them at the gate. Right. So, so is fast pass like less time in purgatory? I would hope so. You know? You know? But anyway, so uh, that's Wild Bill. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. That That is, you know... No, Buffalo Bill, not Wild Bill. Buffalo right. Bill. Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a legend. I didn't know he became Catholic. And he was... You know, it's interesting because he was actually influenced by a Native American. Yes. You know. Well, okay, so... Buffalo Bill met him. So Sitting Bull was converted by Jesuit missionaries. And they came to the Sioux Indians, which uh, uh, Sitting Bull was, and converted many people. You know, a lot of people, this is a popular theme today to criticize Europeans who came to this land. Really? You are talking about earlier yeah. <laughs> about missionary impulse. But this term colonialism is very popular right now, like mm-hmm. basically accusing every European who ever came to America as mm-hmm. just a colonialist, mm. trying to enslave other people, mm. which is not necessarily true. Um, they came for the faith, too. In fact, a lot of them did. Mm-hmm. That was their motivation. And um, this is one of those examples where Native Americans who became Catholic, just as Catholic as you and me, mm. uh, became missionary. And Sitting Bull converted Buffalo Bill, for example. And he's card-carrying. Card-carrying. Sitting Bull. Sitting Bull, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be in the express lane, yeah. I guess, of the gates. Yeah, and they became smugglers. He smuggled Jesus, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he smuggled, smuggled Jesus, <laughs> in, you know, instead of buffalo skins, <laughs> or both, you know? Yeah, and so, you know, I think one of the, um, we're talking earlier about risk and being zealous for the faith. One of the insecurities in today's culture about Christianity is that Christianity is just one of those things that was brought in as like a European a European oppressive element in this land. Hmm. And, uh, you know, for example, this is the is- issue with St. Uh, Unipro Sarah. People wanting to get rid of statues of him and because he brought the faith to America, as if the faith's a bad thing. But, I mean, he was the founder of California and uh, established missions all the way up the coast that we now call the biggest cities in California, like Los Angeles and San Francisco and San Diego. Hmm. And people want to forget that All <clears> saint history. names. Yeah. We want to forget that history because somehow it's offensive to be Christian. Hmm. Or, I mean, think about like the early missionaries in this territory, you know, 
few hundred years ago. It's crazy, like how how far we've come, you know. Yep. But like people did come specifically to bring the gospel to the new land, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you know they called it. And here you are, a Native American who didn't even speak the language, right? Like Jesuit mm-hmm. missionaries came and shared the gospel. They smuggled Jesus here, man. A they lot of them lost Jesus. their lives, like they yeah. became martyrs. Yep, for real, like died, like. And uh, they risked everything. And this is what we're talking about, like risk in life, like brings fruit. Like anytime we risk, and it could be anything. You got, Like anytime, like I've, you know, think about like risking something and to make my relationship with my spouse better, my wife, mm-hmm. it, like it takes sometimes some emotional risk, sharing, opening up, right? Like, and if I don't do that, if I don't risk, like then there becomes a, a wall or a barrier, like a lack of, real emotional intimacy or you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like this happens a lot in our life. Like I was telling a a guy yesterday we were meeting and we were talking about grit, you know, and you know, he was thinking like grit just more like, Oh, what do you, you know, carry a sword and a knife? I was like, no, like grit is the ability to, to do the hard things like emotionally, spiritually, physically that push us beyond what we can do. And grit without grace leaves us empty. And he was like, what do you mean without grace? Grace is God. Grit without God leaves us empty. We're only breathing with one lung, you know? Mm. Like, this is why, like, you know, Buffalo Bill, Mm -hmm. you know, he's just gritty man. But at the end of his life, like, he needed grace. Like, he knew there was something missing. Mm -hmm. He needed God to, like, complete him. And when those two things combine, like, that's when we you know, really begin to move forward in our life. I, I couldn't take risk in my life emotionally, spiritually, relationally, physically. I couldn't face tough things without grace, right? Well, and speaking of things that are downplayed by society today, Christianity is seen as offensive, but also masculinity is seen as offensive because to be a man means you're oppressive to everyone else, mm-hmm. like to women. Um. This is this is not an understatement. This is the message right now to men. Right. Don't be a man. Don't be gritty. Don't do hard things. Um, let everyone else do the hard things. Right. And, you know, this creates a certain insecurity in a lot of us that we don't trust our, our own masculinity. Mm. You know, like we don't trust the gifts God gave us to lead or to take risks. Like you mentioned spousal relationships. The woman is not going to communicate well unless the man takes the risk to communicate well first. Mm. It's just not going to happen. Mm. Right? Like the the one that God designed to lead the couple into a healthy communication dynamic mm. is the man. Mm. And if he's not going to do that, it's just not going to happen. Right. Um but sometimes we don't feel like we should because it seems like our masculinity is toxic so to speak. Mm. Same thing with, I mean, any dynamic where men are supposed to be present, the, the environment is only going to be healthy if a man takes a risk to make it healthy. Right. And women want men to do that. Yeah. They really do. Right. Like, yeah. good women want good men to lead. Yeah, because if not, like, in a sense, relationally, like, um, a woman will shut down emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't have the freedom and the openness and is led, you know. Because she she risks being hurt. That's right. You know, by the man. And uh and and that can happen vice versa too. Like we can be wounded. But the risk 
is hard and I don't want to just like downplay that. Like it, it's re sometimes really hard to push through areas of our life where we've been really comfortable, you know, and that's, yep. and that's what I was talking to this guy about yesterday is men have a tendency at times and women too, but I'll, I'll just use it in my own life. Okay. So, and not to assume this for, for others, but in my experience personally and, you know, journeying with other guys is that we have a tendency to move back into a lane where we feel really adequate. Yeah. Because at the, at the very heart of a guy is we want to feel adequate in what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. We want to know we have what it takes. We're good at what we're doing. It feels good. And that's, that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So when we begin to venture into territory where we feel inadequate, where it gets hard, where we don't know what we're doing, we get really uncomfortable mm -hmm. and then we swerve back in the lane that we're competent in. I'm good at this. I'm known for this. I'm comfortable with this, right? Mm -hmm. I'm smart or I'm musical or I'm athletic, like all those things, you know, I'm comfortable up to this point with my spouse or at work or with friendships or with God, mm -hmm. right? But without risking into those other territories, we don't experience the fullness of life. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty. And, and sometimes it's hard, but like God wants to expand our territory. Well, in the expansion, we talked earlier about those fears of getting hurt, losing control or losing things that we have. Um, the expansion always comes as a next step in letting go of things God has already done for us. Mm -hmm. St. John of the Cross talks about how important this is where the destination that God is bringing us, which is heaven, is a lot of steps. And the steps don't look like the destination. Right. Right. So like God might use a certain environment that you're in to feed you for a time, but then it's time to change and it's time to get uncomfortable. Right. I experienced this so many times in my prayer life where sources of grace started to dry up and my spiritual director would say, well, God's leading you to a different source. Like there's another step for you. There's some way you're going to grow. Hmm. And uh, it's always been very surprising, you know, like some, some new environment that I need to be in so that I grow more. And I didn't know it because if I did know that's where I needed to be, I wouldn't have grown, right? Like if I already, hmm. if I had the plan in my mind, I wouldn't need God's plan, right? Right. God's plan is a lot bigger and a lot different than what my plan is. Yeah, dude, I get it totally. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. Third segment already, man. It's been flying, flying by. Flying, <laughs> yeah, flying, flying. We've by. been smuggling this show 
through the airwaves. Thanks everyone for listening in on the podcast or on the yeah. radio, wherever you are. I want to give a shout out to our listeners. Yeah. Let us know how you smuggle Jesus. <laughs> give us your smuggle Jesus story. Smugglers. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus the, smugglers. The, the Jesus smugglers. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's kind of crazy. Um, you know, it's interesting. We're talking about all sorts of things, but saints and grit and smuggling and whatnot. But you know, the reality is like, like to have grit, like like King David, when he was young, you know, carried a slingshot. Like that, the whole story of David and Goliath. Like he's just mm. this little gritty guy. Like God created us that way in, in a sense. But Jesus turns that all around, and it, like he chooses the cross mm-hmm. as the gritty sign. Yeah, nothing more gritty than that. And holy, like he become, you know, shows us what real, you know, grit and holiness looks like mm-hmm. suffering pain and doing the hard things you know mm-hmm. and it's through the cross that all this makes sense life risk grace goodness suffering it's all connected you know and this is the beauty of the cross this is why missionaries smuggled jesus around the world because of the cross not because of you know it was always the fun convenient thing to do you know well, I think we've seen and lived through a phase of the American church where I think we all, not all of us, but in a big sense, we all bought into the idea that we will have more Catholics if we make the faith more engaging and fun and, um, you know, that kind of vibe. Yeah. And it just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. It just didn't work. You know what we haven't done in... Uh, a few episodes is a six pack of questions. Question. Question number one. So we mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show the grit groups that are starting. Yeah. When do they start again? Uh, so the signups are right now holygrit.org. Uh, groups of men, fellowship and mentorship groups, eight weeks, eight sessions, I guess you could say. Um, and yeah, you sign up for a time. I'm doing two, maybe three. Uh, mm-hmm. This fall, and then I'll do some more. So, holygrit.org. If you want something to jumpstart your spiritual life and your 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 masculine journey, take some risk. It's good. I'll be leading those, and um, yeah, it'd be great to have you a part of it. So, holygrit.org. Mm-hmm. Holygrit.org. Nice. And it's coming out. The book's coming out early spring, January, called Holy Grit. Mm-hmm. So these are grit groups, and you know, just taking risks, doing what God's asking, and and moving forward. So my question is, you mentioned how doing this group is risky. Yeah. So tell me about it. Like this journey for you that, like, did the Lord ask you to do this? How did you discern this? Is this Why question, is it risky? question two? No, this is question one. Oh, it's still question one. I, yeah. Well, it's risky in a sense of like doing something that, that's challenging me. Maybe that's something that's been on the back of my mind or in my heart to do, but I've been making excuses not to do it. Mm-hmm. And just taking the risk of like put myself out there and doing it, right? And just knowing like that, that like part of, doing something just takes a lot of risk that that could be like humiliation it could be like people are like you're crazy it could be mm-hmm. like you know whatever it is but yeah i just i need i need to take that risk that's awesome all right so question number 2 is so some people are interested in these groups but it's going to be a risk for them like to give up the time mm-hmm. to do it uh whatever maybe they're not used to being in groups like that um why should they take the risk 
to do this group. Yeah, I think like we think of excuses or time. I mean, we're talking an hour and a half a week for eight sessions or whatever, but like we start making, you know, what will happen or I'm afraid of the unknown. And here's what I'm learning in my life is like when something's in front of me and I know I'm supposed to do it, I feel the tug. I just need to do it. Like Mm -hmm. I just need to make that step, have that conversation, talk to this person, pray, yada, yada, make a decision. And I think for guys, like we just need that nudge and then just do it. You know, like a lot for younger guys, I'm like, just ask her out. Like, just do it. Mm-hmm. Really? I should? Yes. Just take the risk. Like, and, and like, God will take care of the rest. Only good things will happen. Nice. All right. Question number three. So we talked about smuggling Jesus. I knew this was coming. Yep. 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 I want to hear about um, the riskiest thing you ever did for the gospel. Hmm. Like, put yourself out there for, f- and I don't mean like a big life change. Like, I think God's calling us to move to Atlanta or Phoenix. I mean, like, this very concrete thing, I could get hurt doing it, but I think God wants me to do it, so I'm going to do it. Yes. You know? Yeah. See what I'm saying? You know, I I feel like I've played it safe a lot in my life, and I'm kind of done with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm learning, like, in my own personal life just to take risk and make my marriage the best it could be and be a great father. Like, it's that takes all takes risk, emotional, spiritual, like, on that journey with other people. You know, I've traveled all over the world, and you know, I've spoken in places and trying to think like, I think some of the, like the hardest and riskiest things I've ever done is approach someone one-on-one who needed, who needed it Mm -hmm. and was afraid that they would reject me for that conversation or for, or for pushing through to, to like pursue them. Right. Mm -hmm. And help them in their life and, you know, make that phone call or that make that appointment with that person, you know, like, the things that m- most people would never see are the hardest things to do. If I could time out the six pack of question momentum for just a second. Yeah. I think what you brought up is one of the more pervasive things needed to be talked about is that that risk of having the hard conversation with the one person you need to have it with mm-hmm. seems to be like a common denominator amongst most of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Let's just pause for a second on that idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How do you do it? Like when you know you need to say something, you know you need to talk to somebody about something, yeah. either about your relationship or about the work or about whatever, mm-hmm. how do you psych yourself up to do it? What are some ways to make it fruitful? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a good question. Like I, I, I think one is just sitting back and reflecting and praying. I think as we talk, like I'm more and more convinced all the time is that grace without grit is empty. Like mm-hmm. if, if I just attack life very gritty, I will mow people down. Mm-hmm. I will not care about folks. I will just do what I want. I will accomplish a lot, but at the risk of what, right? So God and grace gives me the ability to pray and discern, uh, like, right? Like, you know, should I, and when should I have this conversation or do this thing? So it gives me the ability. So like say just recently, like with, with a family member, like I felt like I was supposed to have a conversation, but I didn't want to. So let me sit back and reflect on that. Am I should Lord give me the courage and then just do it. Boom. Make the phone call, have the conversation. It ended up being amazing conversation, a conversation I didn't necessarily want to do or have, but at the same time, it was just a small moment where I felt like the grace to make the decision and do it, and then God would just lead the rest, right? Mm-hmm. And there's been moments, you know, in my own marriage, like to push through the next level is to maybe share a feeling, have a conversation, get to some, get through some breakthrough moments, 
uh, with my kids as they get older, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, just, I think particularly for guys, there, there becomes a lot of emotional things. We got to step from the fear of those things, you know, I'm, yeah. I've been praying for vulnerability, which is not something I've prayed for before in my life. Mm. Right. Like just to feel, to be vulnerable, to be real. Yeah. Okay. Question number four, back on the six pack yeah. train here. Uh, question number four. So we talked about kind of three fears associated with risk. So getting hurt, losing control, and then losing things we love. Um, when it comes to dealing with fear, <clears throat> what are the things you found working with people that actually helps motivate us when we're afraid to do something to actually do it anyway? Because hmm. um, that's a, it's a very powerful emotion, fear, right? Yeah. And for a lot of us, we've been hurt and the fear comes out of that a lot, or um, we just like to be in control. I don't know. What what process or what what are some ways you work with people that are just afraid to do something they know they need to do? Yeah. There's healthy fear, one. I mean, I, I think to think of the emotion of fear as something that is healthy. Like there's an emotion that God created that fear is allowing us to like think and discern right? Like weigh mm-hmm. out the pros and cons, right? So to, to, to be prudent, to not just do something stupid, right? Mm-hmm. But you can think of missionaries on ships coming to this territory. It wasn't like, oh, I'm not afraid. There was a fear that God was leading them. Like they're, But they pushed through the fear. So like what happens oftentimes is we discern fear as don't do anything or don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not always the case. Like there's certain fears of like, oh, I'm on the edge of a cliff. I should not jump. I'm afraid. Yeah, because you don't have a parachute or a hang glider. Or it's reasonable. It's reasonable. Yeah. You know, you you bring in reason to that. But there's certain things where like we we discern fear is don't do it at all. When when fear is just the emotion is, that causes discern how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. To step forward and make the decision. There is a lot of freedom and walking through certain fears, you know? Mm-hmm. You think about anything, the fear of going back to school, the fear of applying for a job, because there's rejection involved, or it might not happen. The fear of having a tough conversation or pursuing my wife or a kid that I haven't gotten along with in a long time or going to counseling. The fear, like we make up excuses based on fear instead of pushing through based on fear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, question number five. So we talked about the missionary impulse that brought people to America and kind of recovering that. Um, I, this is interesting dynamic because the church is a communion and it's on mission. So like we have this responsibility to be a community together and live a life together, but we also have responsibility to be missionary and looking for bringing more people into that communion. Mm. And it seems like we oscillate between um, this missionary impulse and this community impulse. What I mean by that is sometimes as a church, as a people, as a Catholic people, we're about the business of just living our life together and we forget about the, the missionary call. Yeah. But then sometimes we're about the missionary call and we forget that we're a community of people too. Right. So like, for example, I think of the many times I've had to check my, um, my mission outside the house and focus on my mission inside the house. Right. right. Like that's yeah. important too. So talk to me about this dynamic, this balance, because I think you're somebody who, who does this well, where, yes, I'm called to be missionary, but I'm also called to communion, commune with my family, commune with my parish, those kinds of things. Both are true, right? Yeah. No, both are true. I mean, we've talked a lot on the show in the past that, you know, our vocation is our primary, you know, call to holiness and 
pathway to heaven. You know, our vocation is capital V. If you're married or, you know, if you're your religious life or whatever, like that, like you, you don't, you don't get to heaven outside of that. Like you don't exit right, go left, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it's with that and through that. And so that has to be primary focus. And then from that, like there's a flow of mission, right? From that. And, and that's extremely important, you know, as you talk, you know, to kind of keep talking with this question other ways is like, I, I just feel like honestly, like the church has just spent a lot less time being missionary and more time lately arguing. Yeah. You know, like all the great missionaries just seem to be arguing right now mm-hmm. over theology and liturgy. And, you know, I'm not saying that those aren't good things and good causes, like whatever, but you open the show talking about like God just speaking to you about just go be about the business mm-hmm. of the mission, right? Mm-hmm. Of your life, your marriage, and the work each day. And we've just, it seems like we've lost a lot of that zeal to be about the work. And we'd rather just get on platforms and argue. Hmm. All right, let's pause the six-pack train again for a sec. Because I just had an experience of this in New York City. Because the hotel we're staying at was very close to a church called Holy Innocence mm-hmm. in New York yeah. Parish. And we went to Mass at St. Patrick Cathedral. In both places, I was impressed by something because there were multiple Masses each day at each place. Mm-hmm. So the cathedral is visited by over 5 million people a year, they said. Because it's in the middle of St. Patrick's Cathedral, is in the middle of Fifth Avenue, very busy place. So right. people from all over the world are literally walking by, see this beautiful cathedral, and just stop in. Sure. Right? And so in that way, it's very missionary. I was impressed by that. I mean, there's literally people from everywhere of all faiths mm-hmm. just walking in. And then the church parish I was at was in a different part of town. It, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. But at the same time, I went to Mass, and since there were Masses back-to-back, I saw some people staying for all the Masses. Like, they're just—and they they weren't from around there, obviously. But liturgy was missionary. That's my point. Like, Mm. you brought up liturgy as one of the arguing points. Right. The missionary value of liturgy was on display to me in, like, a way that was profound, because I I just—we don't think of liturgy that way, right? Um, Mm. But when we do it well and we think about where it should happen, like, we we place liturgy— in the world where people might stumble upon it and we do it really well. They have beautiful moments of encountering God. I don't know. Just, it just something you just said resonated with me, this idea that liturgy, everything we're about is supposed to be missionary. But if we start arguing with each other, it loses that missionary quality. Yeah. With the Holy spirit, everything becomes missionary to mm-hmm. the world. I mean, that's mission and purpose, you know? And yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of like, Tired of all that. Like, what are y'all fighting about? Like, there's people dying spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, all like all over the world, mm-hmm. you know. And like, you're just like spinning your wheels fighting. Like, the world's falling apart. Like, <laughs> get, like you know. And we mm-hmm. see this in in the early book of Acts. Like, the apostles got together and were fighting Peter and Paul. You know, like ah, you know, going mm-hmm. at it. And yeah. then they just are like, okay, we're done. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, let's just get back to the work. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. just think if they would have just stayed in the house and just kept fighting. Yeah. Well, and you're right that some things are worth arguing about, but the context is so important because you mentioned St. Paul. I mean, his letter to the Galatians, he's arguing about things. That's what we're going through right now at Daily Mass, about a circumcision, whether it's necessary or whatever. But he writes these letters in prison or like on a journey, missionary journey, right? Like, so let's argue about these things, but while we're on mission. 
Right. Right? Like while I'm in prison for the gospel. That's a good point. Or exactly. <laughs> you know, not like while I'm comfortable at my desk tweeting things. Or yeah, whatever. like let me just, you know, stay on my platform, my YouTube and at this conference. Right. And let's just argue and then I'm not going to be missionary. Like, yeah, let's correct course and go out into the world. That That's what I'm talking about. Yep. You know? Yep. But again, like we got 2,000 years of theology mm-hmm. straight up, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't have to rethink remake up anything it's just like oh we got off let's just go back to our identity to who we are right and then let's get get to the work of it yeah all right question number six so uh just follow me on this okay okay so you've been to a lot of places a lot of parishes you're going to tulsa soon i'm sure you're going to visit a parish up there to go to mass or whatever right um you've seen a lot of the american church and worked with parishes what's the main risk that parishes need to take that sometimes we don't take. And I say parishes because that is the center of our Catholic community. I mean, that's where we gather. Mm. That's That makes our church, like we all belong to a parish, right? Yeah. What's the main risk we're not taking that we need to take as a parish? Yeah, I mean, there'd be different semantics. People would use different language, um, all sorts of things. You know, I look, there's so much to be done. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if we look at the statistics... Like, there's a lot of work to be done. Like, people aren't flocking back to Mass and the church, right? Yeah. But but again, like, I'm going to go back to our conversation. Like, I think the main thing that the church needs to to reawaken is to be missionary. Mm. Like, it, its doors need to be flung open. Mm-hmm. And the people in the pews need to, you and I, be missionaries in the world. The the liturgy needs to speak of mission. The the doors, the hospitality, the everything needs to speak of you belong here in relationship with Christ. You mm-hmm. know, uh, and bringing Jesus to the world. Like, yeah, I mean, the, like in a sense of like the neighborhoods need to be reclaimed for that parish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, every parish is a mission territory. Yeah, I mean, every I mean, for the most part, most parishes today are just like we're, we'll just we'll just do whatever comes to us. Like whoever shows right. up, right? That's who we'll take care of, right? But it's not like missionary out there. Like for the most part, like some are. Like you know, there are some parishes out there. But, but the the renewal of that understanding of who we are as a church parish, as missionary, certainly is a a big project and needed. We don't even welcome people, much less go go out into the neighborhood. Think about that's that. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like it becomes about the heart and, and like, yeah, it's just this vibrancy to, to be about people, you know, to be about people. Jesus went to people. Yeah. And people showed up to him, you know, but he went to people. It's yeah. Usually the people that showed up to him, he fussed at them, right? Like the Pharisees will come up to him and say, Hey, we saw you doing this. What's the deal? Right. <laughs> Right. The sinners and everything, he went to them. He went to the woman being stoned. He went to... Um, he didn't tell the disciples, camp out here, everybody will come to you. Right. You'll, you'll spread the church. <laughs> he sent them out to be missionaries. Like it, You know, our parishes are here today because missionaries came and That's right. set them up. And yeah. they're just not meant to be four walls. Like They're meant to be missionary hubs. Yeah. Yeah, there's just something about the idea of forming new parishes to a certain point or new dioceses to a certain point, do you hit a critical mass where there's no longer any more new dioceses or new parishes? Probably. 
and what happens to the church? And it's almost like we're at that point. I know, it, at least in Louisiana, I don't think we're going to establish more dioceses. No. I mean, maybe. No, less. But think about, like, the little town you live in, St. Martinville. Mm-hmm. There's a parish there, right? Mm-hmm. That parish is for the city. Right. It's the beacon of light and hope. It's the missionary hub mm-hmm. for that whole city. It, that's what it was created for, so that people can know Jesus and, right? Like, yeah. And we get back to that, man, there's going to be vibrancy in the church. All right, I'm sold. So now i got to go spread Jesus, St. Martinville. Yeah. And and die trying. Or die trying. Yeah. Yeah. Right? All right. Let's do it. No more excuses. Like St. Xavier, wasn't it, that was on an island looking at China? Right. Never made it. He died there trying to get to it. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to me. It's crazy. Talk about, you know, grit and... And God. So, anyway, great show. Thanks everyone for being a part of it on the podcast or on the radio. Share the show um, and uh, be a part of it. Go to fullygrit.org if you're a guy. Look at the-